0: Hello Woodlane community, this is Pastor Brian and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast episode 048. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever stressed about buying a gift for a loved one? Perhaps the Magi felt the same way as they presented their gifts to baby Jesus. Would their gift be well received? Would it convey the appropriate message? This week, we'll explore how we can use all the gifts God gives us to worship Him. Even better, you don't have to make a trip to Macy's to do it. Check it out. You ever shop for a gift and thought, this isn't enough? It doesn't capture what this person means to me. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a child, somebody for whom the gift was more than just a thing. Give you ever receive a gift and wonder, what does this mean? First diamond rings are the primo example to this one. Well, at this time of year, we can have a love-hate relationship with gifts. They can be a good thing, even a blessing. Gary Chapman happens to call gift-giving one of the five love languages. Here's the thing to hang on to. God's into giving gifts that keep on giving. Let's pray together. God, transform us today through your word and through your story. Amen. This passage is the root passage out of... This passage is the main passage where we learn about the wise men out of Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. In the time of King Herod... After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you will come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me words, that I also may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and from there... Ahead of them went the star that they had seen in its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. The passage I'm going to draw from today is the passage that has really guided a lot of this series that we've been, been talking about. As we look at the story of the Magi, or the wise men, and the journey that they had to make around that first Christmas, and the questions that they would ask as they were making this long journey of probably 1,200 miles, under far worse conditions than trying to do 1,200 miles In a desert today. And this week the question that we're going to ask may not be so much what the Magi would have asked. But it is still one for us. So let's check out the story again. Out of Matthew 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at the rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And he called together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod said, secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they had heard the king, they set out at its rising. And when they heard the king they set out, and there ahead of them went the star they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they had been warned in a dream not to return to Herod. And they had left for their own country by another road. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. As I say, the question we're going to ask this week out of this story is what do we do when we finally hit the star's destination? When we reach the end of the rainbow, as it, as it were? How does the journey towards Christmas make a difference for us? Because if we were to arrive in the room where Jesus was, where Jesus was as the Magi had come, there seems to be a separation between how the Magi would have experienced it and how we might experience it. Because they have expensive gifts to be able to bring. They are people that have prestige following them. They were the trend-setting type. I mean, a first-century Wheaties box would have loved it had the Magi on their box cover. We might not have such influence. We might not have such expensive gifts to be able to offer at a scene like that. So how does the climax of the journey impact us? And while the scale and the specifics may differ between how the Magi experienced it and how we would experience it, there's still things we can learn from the Magi's response to showing up at that room where Jesus was. First thing they had done, the Magi worshipped. Now imagine kings in all their their glory dress, if you will, probably on their faces, worshipping a child it was probably not easy for them. As, again, they would have been dignified men. Men who were sought out for their wisdom. Who were sought out for their knowledge. Not the kind of people who would bow down before what really seems like such a common scene. I mean, Mary and Joseph, probably nothing too glamorous about them at the time. The, the room where they were visiting probably didn't have million shekel pieces of art along the walls. Jesus may have been crawling about this time. He may very well have been one to take the common toddler bump or get the no, no, no from Joseph as he's starting to crawl on outside or something like that. Yet the Magi are wise enough to see past the common and recognize the divine. Perhaps they even recognize what would become of this Jesus. And meanwhile, the Jewish leaders, who have just as much pomp and circumstance about them, walking around in their robes and with their trumpets and all that sort of stuff, they're just five miles away, and they don't even come. They can't bring a package of Pampers. They can't bring a box of Boogie Wipes. And yet the Magi, yes, young, parents of young kids know all about those two. Yet the Magi, on the other hand, they are the ones who gave gifts. Much ink has been spilled on the theology of these gifts and what they mean and all of that sort of stuff. Just to, to summarize an idea of it, the gold acknowledges that Jesus is a king. The frankincense acknowledges that Jesus is a deity, is God. And the myrrh gives an idea of where his story is going to go, as myrrh was often used when you are uh, anointing in a burial ritual. And so I don't want to get into the individual gifts much deeper than that, because again, that's a, a big rabbit hole. But these, the gifts as a whole, I want you to catch this, that in that culture of where these men are coming from in the East, these are the kind of gifts that are offered to kings. These are the kind of gifts that are offered to gods. And bringing these gifts to this little baby acknowledges Who Jesus was. That he was a child of significance. Even if his stature had not yet fully developed yet. Even though his story had not gotten to the point where he would show off his wisdom. Or the things he could do as a deity. But know also, these aren't cheap gifts. These aren't the kind of things that the Magi picked up at Walmart on the clearance rack. No offense to Walmart. This is, they paid full sticker price at Macy's on Christmas Eve kind of gifts. And it's easy to see in context. But sometimes acknowledging who Jesus is, which is essentially what the wise men are doing, if we want to put it at a really basic level, that has a cost to it. Maybe it costs us certain relationships because we're not running around in the same circles that we were before we knew Christ. Maybe it costs us a bit of our pride because we are... Facing grief and facing guff that we're not out partying all night on a Saturday night because we're actually showing up at worship on a Sunday morning. Maybe it costs us comfort as God rearranges our desires and our priorities and, and makes them change. And, it, and all of a sudden we start desiring new things that are good for us, that, that the Holy Spirit gives us. But again, they're new and they're changed and we don't quite know what to do with it. And it feels uncomfortable being in that new place. But although Jesus, although acknowledging Jesus may have a cost, the good news is not all is lost. Because the Magi used gifts. And I choose this word carefully. That they use gifts. Because think about this. Not that we ever really examine this, this word, especially in the busyness of the season where it seems to be so prevalent. But what is a gift? It's something that is, that's given that may be undeserved, unmerited. It's certainly not paid for, at least not by the person who is receiving it. It's given freely. And consider Christmas. We usually, the vast majority of us, when we give a gift to a loved one or to a friend, we're desiring to share joy. We're desiring to, to bless the people that we care about and that we love. Even if we don't use that terminology, that's kind of the idea of it. It is certainly not, at the other end of the extreme, it is certainly not that Christmas morning is a bunch of business transactions going on, where you're counting off how much something costs and making sure everybody got even and all that sort of stuff. But the Magi were men who were blessed with gifts. These gifts happen to include wealth. They happen to include um, position being people of influence, and allowed them to give gifts like gold and frankincense and myrrh. But if we track it back, we could easily make the case that God is the one who blessed those men, who had them born at the right time and in the right family, that they might be able to have a position as a king or as a wise man, that they might have the smarts to be able to acquire wealth and the wisdom to know, hey, this is a... a, baby who is worth giving it to and it becomes this upward cycle where they are blessed and so they use those gifts to bless God back acknowledging worshiping Jesus and so they're probably blessed some more and they use if they use those gifts to continue blessing God and blessing Jesus and they're blessed with more and it's just the cycle goes up and up and up I want to use an analogy to kind of put all of these ideas together and this is going to be an analogy, so I'm sure at some point it's going to fall apart, but I'm going to do my best with it here. Imagine having a well about a half a mile away from your house. And it's the only source of water that you have. So each morning, you grab your bucket and you trek out the half mile, fill up your bucket and bring it back home, and you use the water and all that sort of stuff. Come nighttime, you trek back out to the well, fill it up, throw it on your shoulders, walk back, and you repeat this process day in and day out and day in and day out. And again, it's the only water source you've got, so you really have a choice on it, as though you had multiple wells to be able to go to. But the thing is, each time you go to the well, it's full again. Now, is there a cost to constantly going out to the well this half mile and and hauling gallons of water back Day in and day out? Absolutely. Just ask your muscles after doing it a couple of times. Trust me, I've done it. (laughs) But water is good for life. Is acknowledging and worshiping Jesus costly? Yeah, in a way. Some of the things we've talked about already. But every time we do it, and no matter how many times we do it, when we go to the well, God always has that well full even if it's not filled with gold and frankincense and myrrh. It is still full. So, here's my question for you. As we have this finale to the Advent season and, and dive into this Christ, the Christmas season itself, I want you to ask yourself this. What is the most common Walmart clearance rack gift that God has ever given you? The one that makes you say, Yeah, but um, that one. That's the one I'm talking about. I used to write poetry in my journal in middle school. That's the gift I'm talking about. I used to sing in a choir in second grade. That's the gift that I'm talking about. I have patience to survive in a room full of little kids. That's the gift I'm talking about. Although, for the record... Having patience to deal with a room full of little kids is not Walmart clearance rack gift, believe you me. But how can you use that gift, common as it may be, to worship Jesus? Answer that for yourselves, and then go do it. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.